Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the mini break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, June 13th. Ready or not, the 2023 grass court season is now officially upon us. And on today's show, I want to set the scene for week one of grass court play on the WTA and ATP tours. Now, if you're looking for some final thoughts on the 2023 French Open, all you got to do is scroll down on your mini break podcast feed as our dear friend here at Cracked Rackets, David Kane, joined me on yesterday's show to offer those final thoughts on both the men's and women's singles finals, as well as all the other biggest storylines that emerged from the two weeks in Paris. Of course, I know the college tennis season is not that far in the rearview mirror either, and if you're looking for some final thoughts on what was a spectacular season of play, I direct all of you to our Great Shot podcast. Podcast feed last week. My dear friend John J. Parsons and I offered our thoughts on our 2023 Division I Women's Award winners. Now, Jay and Chris Halliors will be joining me tomorrow night, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, live on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel to hand out our Division I Men's Awards. That show will be a podcast available on Thursday on the Great Shot podcast feed. So if you're looking for some final thoughts on the college tennis season, the GSP feed is for you, of course, if you're looking to hear from some of the best on the ATP, WTA tours, and throughout the tennis world, I direct you to our Cracked Interviews podcast feed, where I had the distinct pleasure of sitting down with 2023 French Open men's doubles champion and newly crowned world number one doubles player, Austin Krejcik, to discuss not only his run in Paris, but the ascension he has made throughout the course of his career to reach this number one ranking. We talked about transitioning from playing both singles and doubles to focusing on doubles. He shared candid insights about contemplating retirement a few years ago and why, you know, again, that persistence he showed in that moment has paid off so many years later. It was a fantastic interview. I'm certain all of you will enjoy it, so be sure to go check that out as well as all the other interviews we've done over the course of the past few months on that Cracked Interviews podcast feed and be on the lookout for that podcast to pick up over the next few months now that our schedule has, I don't want to say loosened up, but it's actually become more organized now that we'll get in a better routine uh, implementing more Cracked Interviews podcast, speaking particularly with pro players. That will be a focus of mine over the next few months. So if you haven't already, like, rate, subscribe, review to all the shows. Sincerely, I love when all of you listeners leave reviews, your thoughts on these episodes, things you want to hear more of, guests you all enjoy. So please do leave those reviews. I see them most likely if they're on Apple Podcasts, but leave them wherever you listen to your shows. And again, you can find all of our content available on Cracked 
TrackRackets.com. Now, if you're looking for more live tennis, obviously we've got grass court action early in the day, but perhaps some of you will be looking for some championship weekend play later on Saturday, Sunday. The good news, we've got you covered here at Crack Rackets as our coverage of the 2023 USTA SoCal Pro Series continues. It's a seven-week series of 15K pro events. You've got men's, women's, singles, and doubles. Two weeks in the books, five more to go. Every Saturday, Sunday, we'll have coverage of the men's and women's semifinals and finals and singles, as well as those men's and women's doubles finals on Saturday. Be sure to check out our coverage. Myself, Brian Fenley, Daniel Westoff steering the ship. Fang Rantian just won an NCAA singles title. She just also won her second career pro singles event on the SoCal Pro Circuit. She's made back-to-back finals to kick things off. You know, that's exactly what this circuit and series is designed to do, provide players on the ascent, such as Fang Rantian, the, what, 19, 20-year-old who's just looking for playing pro opportunities, picking up points to ascend to the next level. She has a continued opportunity to do so. Wouldn't shock me if we see her a couple more times over the next few weeks players like her young jack anthrop who's a former top 30 junior in the world now standout collegiate uh redshirt freshman or just completed that season you know all sorts of players like that recent college graduates jacob brum who just won a title in san diego a lot of great storylines a lot of great tennis we'll have coverage again the next five weeks every saturday sunday on our crack rackets youtube channel so go subscribe to that if you haven't already so you don't miss out on any of the action again really appreciate all of you who take the time to do that um and again we're really excited to be a part of that series so shout out to our dear friends chris boyer and the entire usda socal team uh, for including us once again in covering this year's efforts with that said again Start of the grass court season, the focus of today's show, I want to run you through the four draws. We have Nottingham, Netherlands, as well as Stuttgart, obviously that Netherlands event joint for the men and women, which you always love to see, as well as, again, two challengers I have my eyes on. I think you all should as well. That's the agenda here today. A shout out, as always, to all of you for tuning in. A shout out to our friends at Tennis Point for their support. Remember, for all of the latest and greatest equipment at the best prices, tennis-point.com. Use our promo code CR15 to let them know we sent you there. You'll get 15% off all sale items, free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls, tennis-point, simple, not the spelling, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. Here are the four events we have going on on the ATP and WTA tours this week. Let's start on the women's side of things in Nottingham. Already had a massive upset, dare I say, from a rankings perspective as 21-year-old Daria Sneger knocking out second-seeded Beatriz Haddad Maya 6-4-6-3. Now, you take this result with a grain of salt if you're looking to pile on the was the Haddad Maya run to the semifinals of the French Open a fluke crowd. You know, where you put the damper on them following this loss is, let's keep in mind, she played that match against Iga Sviantek, what? four days ago and for Haddad Maya to not only have to fly to a different country, but to have to change surfaces, to have maybe 24 hours to make that adjustment. Of course, physically, there's never going to be a clear-cut two-week period of time for any player to refresh themselves and take time off unless they choose to do so or unless your ranking is so padded like a Sviantek, like a Djokovic, etc., that any event less than a 1,000 slams 
you know, they don't really impact your rankings. Haddad Maya had success in Nottingham last season. She is the defending champion, or was, I should say, the defending champion at this event. Again, I believe she took a late wild card into the main draw here, or if she didn't, chose not to withdraw at the last moment. You could see the the reason I bring all this up is watching this match, and this is not to take anything away from the 21-year-old sneaker, who, by the way, has had results not quite like this, but has had notable results and notable success for someone her age in the past. And obviously, I would say most notably last year, knocking out Simona Halep in the first round of the U.S. Open. But Haddad Maya physically was really struggling to get in and out of corners, and it wasn't just her footing on these grass courts. And let's just remind everyone, and I know I'm very fortunate, this mini-break crowd and all of you listeners, not only are you the best in the business, it's a very educated bunch. And so I don't often have to go over the basic details. I probably should do that more just to be a better podcast host to casual fans of tennis who are intrigued and want to pick things up. But in case you are unfamiliar again with the transition to grass courts and what that entails, if you've watched any of the first two days of action this week, starts with the footing. No one's going to have clean footing unless you're hitting a ball on your front foot and you're the one dictating play on these grass courts. It's just so difficult, again, with this surface to move in and out of corners, to try and change directions if your opponent hits to an unexpected spot. And, you know, it's so difficult to change directions if you make a bad call in terms of anticipating yourself. It's so difficult to change directions after hitting a defensive shot and trying to recover. And I mean that both in a defensive and an aggressive standpoint. If you are on the full sprint, obviously on the baseline, and you don't hit a passing shot with good enough depth, you're just it's going to be very difficult for you to track down that next ball. Similarly, aggressively, if you're playing uh, on these grass courts and you have the opportunity to put away a first volley, but you hang that first volley and now you're out of position at the net, it's going to be really difficult for players to recover back to the center. And thus, again, if you are able to dip that first passing shot low, second passing shots, dare I say, might be even more rewarded on this surface just because the recovery back to center that much more difficult for the net player. That said, this surface more than anything else rewards the bold. First strike, uh, first serve, serve to the corners to open up easy lanes of aggression to play your first strike, whether it be a forehand, backhand. Obviously, if you can follow that ball into the net, square off that first volley well, you're extraordinarily well rewarded on this surface. You're going to see more funky bounces as you know a ball goes off the chalk or hits a dead spot on these grass courts and it skids and stays low and bounces out of the contact zone. As such, you're going to see all these players shank the ball more, meaning they'll hit the frame of the rack rather than hitting the ball cleanly with their strings. You'll see more slice employed to try and take benefit from those funky bounces, to try and take the benefit from the fact that the ball does stay lower on this surface. And, you know, that heavy topspin, those big backswings, you just have less time to do them on this surface. So, you know, that game style less rewarded, dare I say. All of that reminder is to say, yes, Haddad Maya's physical deficiencies today, she was just worn down. They were expedited that much more perhaps by the surface. But man, credit to 21-year-old Daria Sneeger, who 
her forehand is alley risk s in how big that backswing is, how flat she seems to pancake through that ball, and you know she seems to get on top of it instead of under it and brushing up the ball the way you know a heavy topspin forehand. Someone I have watched a lot of, someone like a Diana Schneider's big forehand backswing sort of accentuates. Um, that said, for Sneaker to lose in the final round of qualifying and you know then bounce back as a lucky loser and get a four and three win over Beatrice Haddad Maya her second, what, top 20 victory of her career, absolutely exceptional. And you look for Sneaker now, again, 21 years old, in earning this victory. She jumps all the way back up to number 150 in the world. And the aggression was real. Like, again, she was the one dictating with her first serve, with her first forehand. She took advantage of the fact that anytime she could get Haddad Maia stretched into the outer third, it just was a labor for Haddad Maia to recover back to the center. And thus, Sneaker was very efficient with her targets. She didn't waste any shots. She didn't try to get too cute employing drop shots or short angles. No, she took whatever pathway was available to her she also did a good job of extending points. I thought she moved pretty well on this surface. Not exceptionally well. You know, it's not Simona Halep or Maria Sakari in terms of movement on these grass courts, but she looked pretty comfortable in and out of her corner. She looked comfortable handling the pace of the Haddad Maya ground strokes, particularly her backhand well suited to handle the topspin of Haddad Maya. You know, again, she did such a good job not hitting the ball in the same direction more than two times in a row that Haddad Maya didn't have time to do much dictating of her own. Now, again, Haddad Maya did not play particularly well in this match, but credit to Daria Sneaker. She's through the finish line. She's through to the second round. She's back up to number 150 in the world, has a very winnable match against the wild card Katie Bolter, who got an impressive one in three win over the qualifier Amy Appleton. Of course, Bolter has had some success on grass courts. We all remember her Wimbledon run. Was that last season? Two seasons ago? Either way, that's a fun second round match between two young players who have a real opportunity now to reach a quarterfinal. Bolts are going to be the 74.2% favorite. You know, again, that's your most notable upset thus far. You did have sixth-seeded Jung Shui, who has talked openly about her struggles with injury, with form. She was knocked out by Tatiana Maria, one in four. Other than that, all the other seeds, eight of them in this event, so six of the eight do advance to round two. According to our dear friends at Tennis Abstract, that's right, folks, we're back to the Tennis Abstract singles forecast. Your favorite this week in Nottingham, seventh-seeded Camilla Georgie, who, of course, we have seen have success on grass courts in her career. You can go back to as recently uh, as, well, I guess you'd have to go back to 2015 to the last time she made a final on grass courts, but with how explosively she plays. Yes, quarterfinals of Birmingham last year, semifinals of Eastbourne last year as well. Again, you don't have the East. Ika Sviantek has still played fewer than 40 matches on grass courts in her career. Camilla Georgie has a track record of her weapons having success. She's not afraid to pull the trigger early. And again, you don't have to worry about the physicality as much because she is ending points quickly on her term. She is taking big cuts on the return of serve that are so difficult to recover from. And, you know, Camilla Georgie, a top 15 returner for what it's worth this year by break percentage, according to the Tennis Abstract uh, Stats leaderboard. I get why she's the favorite. She'll take on qualifier Elizabeth Mandelik, who got a three-set win over Tomova, her second top 100 victory of her career, a good win for the American, who 
Forehand backswing's a little bit. She explodes through it. I like the backhand. I like how well she moved. Tomova threw a lot of forehand slices in. Georgie will not be doing that. It will be fascinating to see how Mandlik's able to handle the pace of Georgie. She should be the heavy favorite in that match. But yeah, look, who's impressed me thus far the most in terms of performances? Obviously, Sneaker pulling off the upset's the most notable, but I thought Maria Sakari looked really good in a 2-6 and six win over Wang Shiyu because the lefty from China played extraordinary tennis in that match, and she just has firepower, can wallop the ball from the baseline. Sakari matched her, and I've talked before about how Sakari had seven years of consecutive improvement in her hold percentage as well as her first serve win percentage uh, by stats according, uh, earlier in her career. I think that's, that streak was snapped last year, but she's so efficient with her first serve wide on the deuce side, first forehand to the open court, and forcing Wang Xiu to have to hit that ball in the full sprint. You know, again, when they were slapping forehands, baseline exchanges from the uh, in this match, it was really fun tennis to watch. Wang Xiu was right there. She kept pace. She had her opportunities. Sakari was better. Sakari moved so well on this surface. Sakari so well getting to the ball and, you know, again, changing direction on you at that last second because she does have enough time in getting there because she does move so well. Um, and again, that low center of gravity rewarded Sakari's impressed me the most. Tennis Abstract has her as the second favorite, 16.5. That would be a quarterfinal battle from Sakari, between Sakari and Georgie. And I actually think that matchup, if it happens, would be the single most relevant match we could get from week one of this grass court season in terms of relevance for Wimbledon. I mean, looking at the rest of the draw again, Sakari's going to take on Alize Cornet, uh, Mandelik Georgie, Magda Lynette uh, in this draw. She got an impressive victory in round number one, three sets. Uh, excuse me, three sets. No, Lynette straight sets over Gadecki. Zhu Lin got a nice straight set win over the big hitting Alicia Parks. Who else is in this draw? You've got Donna Vekic, your number four seed. She survived three sets over Buxa. She looked okay. Again, was calibrating the weapons. Helena Kalanina's had a really good season. She got a straight set win over Parises Diaz, who just couldn't hurt her enough on this surface. But Kalanina's the dark horse player to watch. I think she, you know, Vekic is the favorite, according to Tennis Abstract, to make the final from the bottom half. If I was bold, I'd say Georgie versus Kalanina. If I was boring, I'd say Sakari versus Vekic. I'm going to split the difference. I'm going to go with Sakari-Kalanina final. I mean, again, to pick Maria Sakari to win title number two. That is a bold pick given her struggles. You know what? I'm doing it. Give me Sakari to win her second title this week. How about that for some boldness? We haven't gotten to do one of these weekly breakdowns in a while here on the mini break. It's been about, what, a month and a half because... You know, you have Masters event after Masters event, Rome and Madrid uh, for the clay you have, then right into the French Open for us because we didn't have that in-between week given we were covering NCAAs. It's been a while since we've done one of these. I usually have Nate Walrath with me for Tennis Point Tuesday. So there's some boldness for you. Maria Sakkari to win title number two in Nottingham this week. That's your first draw of the week to look at. Again, should be an exciting week of play in what is event number one on the WTA Tour this week. Now, again, event number two, a joint event between the men and the women in the Netherlands. We'll focus on the women's side for now. Your top seed in the event, Veronica Kudermatova. Uh, 
633 love before Ali Risk, unfortunately, forced to retire, but Kudermatova able to advance in round number one. She is a 27% favorite, according to our friends at Tennis Abstract. Now, only one seed eliminated thus far in this event. That seed out of the event prior to its start, replaced by Sasha Vickery, the lucky loser. Uh, so, just to run you through the seeds. Kudermatova, your top seed. Samsonova, who survived 7-6 in the third over a qualifier in round one. She needs to get things going. And her ability to play first serve, first strike, I believe she's won a title on grass courts in her career. I know she has back in 2021. I forget what the event exactly was. It was Berlin, uh, where she knocked out Bencic in that three-set final. First time she really came onto everyone's radar. Certainly mine, it felt like. I mean, I didn't feel like certainly that was the first time she felt uh, came onto my radar, and it felt like everyone else's as well. I want to see her get things going because you look for Ludmilla Samsonova, obviously coming off of the end of 2022 when she was just lights out all year. You know, wins Washington, wins Cleveland, fourth round U.S. Open, wins Tokyo. You look for her here in 2023. Yes, she did make that final in Abu Dhabi, but 13 and 12 overall. You know, struggled throughout the course of the clay court season, got four total victories. And, you know, again, currently sitting at 15 in the world, dare I say the free ride ends soon, because once you get to that American or North American summer hardcore stretch, now Samsonova's got to play so much defense with so many different points. That said, this month is a massive opportunity for the 24-year-old to, dare I say, make a top 10 push with Wimbledon offering points. Dare I say, you know, again, you look at her grass court season from last year, uh, Samsonova won one match in Berlin, obviously wasn't able to play Wimbledon, but won one match total in the grass court season. Right now, you look for Ludmilla Samsonova currently in the live ranking. She's sitting at 16, but there's a fewer than, or no, it's 419 points separate her and Beatrice Haddad Maya, who's sitting at 10 in the live rankings. Yes, there are some players in between. Yes, some things have to go her way, but 400 points, that and for what it's worth, it, within Kvitova, she's, well, about 1,000 points behind Kvitova. That would be a tough push to get to nine. But a top 12 push is in the cards for Ludmilla Samsonova, whose career high is indeed number 12. So one more month to make one more push before now she's got to start playing tons of defense uh, for the rest of the year. She's the player to watch most closely in the Netherlands this week. But the rest of your seeds, Victoria Azarenka, she got sliced and diced in round number one. Natalia Stevanovic made that match very interesting, but Azarenka threw six and three. She's going to play big hitting American Ashlyn Kruger, who continues to progress up the rankings. And that's a fun battle of firepower in round number two. Uh, your fourth seed, ECAT, Ekaterina Alexandrova. Fifth seed, of course, again withdrew before the event. Sixth seed, Bianca Andrescu, who, for what it's worth, straight set win over Sunmez, four and four. I mean, she's made a final on grass court, her skill set, her ability to play offense, her center of gravity and ability to move so, you know, again, the athleticism, the first step, that ability to slide. There's no reason Andrescu, as with every surface, can't be exceptional on grass courts if healthy. 
She's going to play Kuzmova in round two. Uh, your seventh seed, Alexandra Sasnovich, eighth seed, Katie McNally, who continues to just progress up the WTA rankings. You look for McNally now, 21-year-old, sitting at 63 in the rankings. One more, she'll get up to 60 now, reach a career high of 54 earlier this year. But her ability to play first serve, first strike tennis, how well she hits her first volley, this is a big month for Katie McNally to solidify herself a top 50 spot. And then if you're top 50, you're getting into Canada. You're getting into your hometown Cincinnati event without a wild card, which I'm pretty sure she'd be offered anyways, given where her ranking is. She, I would say, is worthy, given her level of a main draw a spot, if not a main draw wild card. But the draws have expanded, so she'll get in to the main draw no matter what. But now maybe you make a push for seeding. And again, you just solidify your top 50 spot. You don't have to worry about chasing those Ostrava points later on in the year which is and those Midland points later in the year as well, which is how she really got things going at the end of last season. So, you know, again, it's a big week for all the seeds. I think Samson Nova is the one to watch most closely. Now, I, of course, got to give a shout-out to a fellow Wolverine. Shout-out to Amina Bechtis. Qualifies. Gets a first-round victory over Delma Golfi. Five and six. She'll take on lucky loser Sasha Vickery. Uh, Sasha Vickery, excuse me. That's a real, real shot at a WTA quarterfinal for each of those players who would certainly grab benefit from that sort of run. <sighs> Prediction, prediction, prediction. It's a big week for Kudermatova after a disappointing French Open, obviously, and she just has so many points to defend in every pocket of the season from last year. If I was bold, I'd pick McNally to at least the semifinals. I've been on the Samsonova train from the start. I'm going to take Samsonova to right the ship. Give me her to win the title despite the, the rough start in round number one. I'm going to... Yeah, I'm going to go against my better judgment. I'll take Samsonova to win the title. I'll take her beating Andrescu in the final. Yeah, you know what? That's my take. Those are your two WTA events to watch this week. Again, you've got the action happening in Nottingham. You've got the action happening in the Netherlands as well. Of course, you've got ATP action in the Netherlands. That's where I want to turn to next. Haven't had the top seeds in play in the ATP events thus far, but plenty of I suppose, if not significant, notable results for us to discuss, and we'll just stay in the Netherlands again to start now. Thus far, in terms of, you know, four, five, uh, excuse me, five, six, seven, eight seeds, two have been knocked out. And most notably was the return to play of Milos Raonic, who, of course, has missed the past couple of seasons with, you name the injury, shoulder, back, knee, quad, ankle, Every part of Milos Raonic, unfortunately, the, what, two-time Wimbledon finalist, if not at least one-time Wimbledon finalist. Has it really been that long that you've forgotten? I think it's one-time Wimbledon finalist. Final guest before the stats turn up. Yeah, 2016 Wimbledon finalist, but a guy who is ranked as high, obviously, as number three in the world, the guy who has won eight career titles. You know, unfortunately, just has not been healthy since 2019, maybe 2017, really maybe even 2016 was the last time he was fully healthy. 17, you know, is when the injuries start to pile up. I know he was able to play at the start of 19, uh, throughout 19 and 20, but really hasn't been a part of this post-COVID era on the ATP tour. And, you know, he talked openly about he wanted, uh, was planning to retire and started playing tennis again just to start getting in shape and said, you know what, maybe I will give this one more push. And I'll tell you what, smart move by Milos to play his first event 
on a surface that will always accentuate his skill set. He looked like Milos freaking Rayonich in a 6-3-6-4 victory over fifth-seeded Miomir Kesmenovic. You look for Rayonich, won 92% of his first serve points. You know, fought off four of the five break points he faced. 15 aces against seven double faults. First serve, first forehand, first volley, a complement of backhand slices to keep that ball low. Hope you pop something up so he could run around, hit that first forehand. Now, was he running around the ball as efficiently and perhaps with as much chutzpah as he did back in 2016 to find that forehand when he did hit the proper slice? Maybe not quite there, of course, but... Boy, did he hit it well. And again, 34 of 37 on first serve points one. That first serve is still a cannon. The shoulder seems to have held up. And, you know, look, Miamir Kasmanovic is good. And Miamir Kasmanovic did well to put that return of serve in play, but it just felt like Rayonich got to pick what he wanted to do with his forehand. And credit to him, again, all these years later, you give the man time. You, you just can't give the man time to do that with his first forehand. Now, of course, how his body recovers, how he steps up in his next match, taking on Jordan Thompson. It's a question all of us are fascinated to watch. Nothing would make any of us happier than to see a healthy Milos Rayanich play throughout the course of this month as a former Wimbledon finalist. If he's healthy enough to go at Wimbledon, 1,000% should be extended a wild card. No one's going to say a bad word about Milos Rayanich. And again, he played booming the sort of booming first-strike tennis, best accentuated on this surface, Took it to Kesmenovic, three and four, two advance. Now, your other upset, upset in name only. Certainly Max Cressy, given the track record, he beat Felix at Wimbledon last year to get knocked out two and six in the first round of this event. Surface level, that sounds disappointing, and certainly it is a disappointing result, but face the big lefty, Marc-Andre Hussler. It was bombs across the board. Hussler was a little bit better at executing on this day, was a little bit more comfortable on the return of serve, could just do more things than Cressy. And so you have the serve to match. You can do more things elsewhere. Hussler able to advance and knock out your eighth-seeded Cressy. Now your seeds who have gotten wins, uh, you had uh, six-seeded talent, Greek sports, brilliant first set of ball striking. Michael Emer made him work, but in the end, Greek sport threw in three. Ugo Umber former, what, fourth round at Wimbledon. You know his first serve, first strike, lefty slice wide, first forehand to the open court combination, how effective it can be at this surface. It was in a 4-2 and two victory over Jason Kubler. Uh, those are your two of four seeded results thus far. Now, a couple of other notable things. Shout out to our guy, Rinky Hijikata. He's been on the Cracked Interviews podcast, former UNC All-American, dear friend of the show. Uh, he gets a three-set win over Heis Brower. You look for Hijikata, who did it at the ITA level, at uh, ITF level, excuse me, at first, now in Challengers, where he's made multiple quarterfinals this year. Into the round of 16 in the Netherlands, the 22-year-old, 128 in the world right now. Not too shabby, right? Of course, you look across the rest of the board uh, in terms of other notable results. We've seen uh, Mackie McDonald, 4-3 and three, over the always tricky, regardless of surface, Ilya Ivashka. How about the first serve, first strike tennis Alexi Popperin played in a straight set victory over Arthur Rinder Kinesh. Now, it wasn't the prettiest tennis, but Popperin able to advance. Rusevori, three sets over Nakashima. That's probably the best match I've watched quality-wise in the Netherlands thus far. But look, everyone's still finding their mojo. 
Mojo, and it'll be fascinating to see the top seed to begin their play. Daniil Medvedev, 40.1% favorite, according to the Tennis Abstract Singles Forecast, to capture the event this week. Top uh, favorite in the bottom half of the draw, Yannick Sinner, your number two seed, 12.4% chance at the final. But I'll tell you what, they think Alex Diemenauer has just as good of a shot uh, of getting there. He's at 12.2% and certainly across the board, you know, you've got Sinner, you've got Medvedev, you've got Demon, who's won a grass court title in Eastbourne in his career. Guys like Umber, Rayonic, if healthy. Borna Chorich, I should say, your number three seed. He's in action, and it'll be fascinating to see if he can get things going, obviously, with the big chunk of points from Cincinnati coming off of his resume pretty soon. It's an interesting draw. A lot of big servers. Again, it's first week. It's tough to make predictions. I'm not betting against Medvedev, who's got more wins than any other player on the ATP Tour this season, who is one of, what, I think four guys to rank top uh, 15 right now. One of three guys, excuse me, to rank top 15 and hold a break percentage. It's him. It's Djokovic. It's Alcaraz. The other two aren't in the draw. He's a guy who's had a track record of success on grass courts. Yes, he lost the first round of the French Open, but he hasn't done much losing in the past five months at all. I'll go Medvedev, very plain, to win the title. And I'm going to take him beating Sinner in the final. Wimbledon quarterfinalist last year, disappointing French Open. He saw guys like Alcaraz, Runa make big runs throughout a clay court season where he could never truly get fully healthy. Gimme Sinner, Medvedev. Boring final to pick. Fun final if it is what we get. I'll take Medvedev to win the title in the Netherlands. Your final ATP event of the week happening in Stuttgart. It's a fun draw across the board. Top seed Stefano Tsitsipas, 23.9% chance of winning the event. He's your favorite according to the Tennis Abstract singles forecast. But I'm telling you, people were all in on Klayler Fritz. I never was. I've just... As, as much as he's improved as a mover, it's just not quite where it needs to be for three out of five sets on that Roland Garros surface. But his weapons, his ball striking, it has never been in doubt. He will be and continue will continue to be an exceptional grass court player throughout the course of his career. And I think he has to be the favorite in this draw, given his level of play and how well his uh, how well his game translates to this surface. Of course, you look across the board, Hoopy Hercots has made a Wimbledon semifinal. I'm never betting against the athleticism of Tommy Paul on any surface. You've got Stefano Tsitsipas, who made a grass final last year. I know he struggled traditionally at Wimbledon, but in theory, his serve, his forehand, his willingness to move forward, at the least, you feel like you're going to have to beat him in one, if not two tiebreakers here in Stuttgart. It's a really fun draw, and you look at the results we've seen thus far, only one, uh, excuse me, two seeds knocked out. Now, they were both notable, of course. Where to start? I mean, the result line, and Berrettini put out an Instagram post, I thought my level would be higher than it was. I'm extraordinarily disappointed and apologize to all the fans for his level of play in a 1-2 and two defeat to Lorenzo Sanego, who's played really good ball this year, just quietly and you know, getting his serve, his forehand, how well he moves at his size. They're all real weapons, but one and two for a former Wimbledon finalist. I know he's been out with injury, but everything was out of rhythm. Everything was in the net or fired long, or he was a step slow, or he was a slightly mistimed. 
he was awful. Like Berrettini played very, very poor tennis. And, it, you know, again, after five years of him being the surest thing maybe when healthy outside of Djokovic or Nadal on the ATP Tour, not the best, but the surest thing. You just knew exactly what you were going to get from Matteo Berrettini and how he was going to impose himself. It's just not working right now for Berrettini. And again, a lot of that is injury-related, but obviously he's a guy who could be a factor, if healthy, playing his best at this Wimbledon, and certainly right now he is not, nor is last year's Wimbledon finalist Nick Kyrgios, knocked out 5-3 and three by Yi Bing Wu. Now, you guys know I'm on the Wu Yi Bing bandwagon. Always have been, always will be. He's a shot maker. You give him pace. God, did he absorb it well, but Kyrgios isn't fit. He's not matched tough, and the serve was there at times, you know, the first forehand was there at times. The creativity will always be there, but he was a step slow, and he knew it. He sent out a tweet as well. I think you have to expect his level to not be quite where it should be, given the layoff, uh, not where it should be, but not where it was, excuse me, given the layoff he took from competitive play, and it will be a work in progress. But yeah, he's not making the Wimbledon final. If he plays like this, he's not nearly as fit, and the level's just, again, eye test-wise, not where it was Uh when we last saw him or when we last saw him at his best throughout the last half of last season. But again, a lot of good matchups still to play. And it'll be interesting to see Fritz kick things off against Aslan Karatsev. Tiafo going to take on the big hitting Yuri Lacheshka, who got an impressive first round three set victory over Marcos Giron. I think Jan Leonard Struff, who, you know, again, as well as he played on the clay courts, his big serve, his willingness to move forward. You're telling me that's not going to work on grass as well. He went down one love, then dominated Zheng Zhen one and four in his first round victory. It's a really fun contrast between he and Struff uh, in in what is Tommy's uh, second match of the event. Tommy in round number one, straight set victory over Benjamin Bonzi. Predictions. Mm. Man, Struff would be such a tough matchup for Tsitsipas on this surface. By the way, Tsitsipas playing Gasquet, for those of you who love the one-handed backhands, in the round of 16. Musetti's in this draw as well. I didn't mention him. Francis Tiafo, I did mention. I'm going to take Hercots to get to the final. And I'm all in on Fritz having a massive grass court season. So I'm going to take Fritz over Hercots in the final. Again, another boring pick, but... It feels right. I think I'm going to be good this week. I think I'm going four for four. I mean, I, I've said that every week, but I think I'm going four for four. Four title winners this week. And again, those are the four tour-level events I would keep your eyes on if you are listening to this podcast. And if you are, then obviously you're watching all the action as it unfolds. That said, before we go, of course, if you're looking for a deep dive on everything that happens on the ATP Challenger Tour, I would turn you all to Damien Kust and Jakob Bobro, their show they do every Monday on our Great Shot podcast feed. There are two challengers I want to point to specifically this week. One of them is relevant because it's on grass courts, and there's a lot of players you're going to see competing at Wimbledon in the main draw. Of course, you've got Andy Murray, who last week dropped just one set on his way to his first grass court challenger title in Surbiton, got good wins over Thompson, over Kubler. was great to see he on Chung back playing, and he was in the draw as well. You know, 
Big uh, Murray gets a first-round win to advance to round number two, but who are some of the names you want to watch? Kudla Stricker was a really fun first uh, is a really fun first-round battle. You saw Nuno Borges advance to round number two. Liam Brody always so tricky, the lefty on this surface because of how well he moves, changes direction. Junior Wimbledon champ Alex Mickelson, who gets another top 100 victory, he knocks out Alex Vukic, the four seed. Mickelson qualifying for the event in his final round of qualifying got a win over Laurent Lacoli. Uh, he's going to take on Gab Diallo, who, by the way, the former Kentucky All-American 21-year-old, he's the like, – I wish I could have said this earlier and brought this to your attention, but who's the guy who's going to make a run at some point in the next 18 months and just come to everyone's attention? It's 21-year-old six foot seven Gab Diallo. He just has it. The serve, the fluidity at that size – the weapons, but the compact ground strokes, the willingness to move forward, the willingness to adapt his game to circumstances. Left college after last season, after he had a really good summer and fall and you know wins the Grand B Challenger, makes the finals in Fairfield, makes a semifinal in Calgary. Quietly up to new career high, number 139 in the world is the 21-year-old, and that's on the back of, again, just a really good season. He struggled to start the year, so he plays a 25K in Montreal, wins it. Since then, quarterfinals at one, two, three, four, five different challengers, including a semi in that mix. Quarterfinal last week and got a 5-2 and two win over Dan Evans. His serve's just going to work on this surface, and I'm all in on just the combination of things he can do, the mindset. He's the nicest guy in the world. I almost said kid, but he's not a kid. He's 21. He's no longer in college. He's a professional. He's the real deal. And Diallo versus Mickelson, who just has one of those shoulders, can hit the big serve, comfortable moving forward. Kids just clutch. He's getting in better and better shape and better and better as a mover with every progressing day as he grows into his body. That's a really fun second-round match that I implore all of you to go watch on the grass courts in Nottingham. And then, of course, Jerry Shang in the mix, former Stanford standout. Arthur Ferry, I shouldn't say former, I should say current because he still could go back. Ferry knocking out Stevie Johnson. He'll play another former All-American college number one in Dom Kopfer. It's a really fun event in Nottingham. I think all of you should be paying attention to it. There's also the event in Palmas del Mar. Now, obviously, the headline, you get the return of Kane Shikori, but goes beyond that, especially for you Cracked Rackets fans. All-American Liam Draxel, he knocks out Wu-Tung Lin, the top seed, in three sets, seven, six in the third in round number one. You got guys like Colin Sinclair, who just won a USTA SoCal Pro Series singles title, former uh UCLA men's doubles champion Evan Zhu, Michael Zhang, the Columbia freshman using the ATP accelerator program with the ITA. He gets into qualifying. He qualifies. He gets a win over Steve Diaz. Lexi Galarno continues to progress up the rankings. He gets a first round win. Adam Walton, the former Tennessee All-American, he's continued to progress up the rankings, gets a first round win. Now, I'd have to, you know, again, I'd be embarrassed if I didn't give a shout out to my guy Alex Rybakov, former TCU All-American in the draw. It's the summertime. College guys can be everywhere across the pro circuit. You can find them in a bunch of fun in different places over the course of this week. So I wanted to bring those to your attention. Now, I believe there are five total challengers happening this week, and I could get into all of the draws, but we'll save them for when we reach the home stretch. And again, when there are less matches, less things for us to preview here on this show. That said, that's everything. 
happening this week across the ATP, WTA, and I suppose ATP Challenger Tours. Now, of course, we will be back each and every day to cover all of the action. That said, quick sneak preview of what's coming up here over the course of the next week. We have reached the halfway mark of the 2023 professional tennis season. As such, you know what we love to do here at Crack Rackets. We love to hand out awards. We love to take stock of where things stand both quantitatively and qualitatively as well. And that's why it is going to be award show season here on the Mini Break Podcast feed. We're going to obviously, in pairing with the college tennis award shows we've already have planned or recorded, we will have an ATP award show. We will have a WTA award show. We'll also have an ATP Challenger award show for all of you fans over the course of the next week as, again, we take stock of everything that's unfolded through the first half of this 2023 pro tennis season. You can be on the lookout for all of that here on this podcast feed over the course of the next week. Again, it's going to obviously bring in the big guns to help me sort through everything that's unfolded. A shout out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, who, of course, will be keeping busy here at Cracked Rackets and who, as always, has a of an editing job to do day in, day out, making all of our content possible. Not just the podcast, but of course, our broadcast of the USTA SoCal Pro Series, which of course continue this Saturday, Sunday on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. We hope all of you tune in. Before we go, last but certainly not least, a shout out to our dear friends at Tennis Point. Remember, it's tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest products in the tennis world. With that said, for my fantastic Super producer Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, and from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.